Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this podcast. We finally got two teams for the NBA Finals. We'll talk a little bit about that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 11 of The Bridge. Well, happy Sunday to one. Happy Sunday to all. This being May 31st, 2015. One more day left in the month of May. Can you believe it? We're almost getting into summer. The weather has changed for the better, except for today. A lot of rain, a lot of flash flooding alerts, so that hasn't been good. But I'm sure you're all happy to once again hear my voice. We had a little hiatus with the Memorial Day weekend that happened last week. I took the weekend off, not necessarily because I was doing something grand and had some big major plans for the Memorial Day weekend, but just with things happening, some barbecues and hanging out with friends and loved ones, I just didn't have too much time to get this together. Plus, none of you would have listened to this podcast coming out on Tuesday. With the holiday and all just throwing off your whole week, there was really no basis for me to do one. So it took a little week off. Not too much happened in the spare time of that for anyone to worry about. But what did happen, we will cover later in the podcast. I just wanted to give you guys an update on some of the things that have happened with me I have some new digs for this podcast coming to you now in a studio apartment, two TVs to look at. I've got a great view of the street here out my window. Unfortunately, that studio apartment is back home. The lease for my apartment ran out at the end of the month, and I have not been able to procure a job somewhere in or around the city that never sleeps. So I'm back in my old childhood bedroom, surrounded by old Little League trophies and World Series banners and pennants from the 2000 and 2009 New York Yankees team. Got some nice sports-themed wallpaper lining the walls, very 1996-esque in here. We got baseballs on the curtains, got a baseball-themed fan. We're just living the sports broadcaster's dream in my childhood bedroom. So if there's anything that I can offer you guys as words of wisdom for this particular situation, it was something that my father actually told me when I came back home sat in the basement and asked what I miss the last three years. He said, well, I can tell you one thing. Never say never. It's when I moved out of here, I swore I would never come back to this place. And yet, here we are. So I got a couple months ahead of me in the summer to look for more employment. Not like I've been fired from my job. Oh, no. I am still the sports editor for the prestigious Wyoming County Press Examiner newspaper in Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania. So don't worry about that, guys. I know you don't know what you would do if you couldn't read my articles every week, so just relax. We still have that to look forward to. The unfortunate part is that now that high school sports have ended, 
There's really not much going on in Tunkhannock. I know that might come as a shock to some of you, but you really have to strive for things to write about. Talk about tractor pulls. The rattlesnake roundup is a big thing coming around. Maybe that'll be something I'll tell you guys about where people go and round up rattlesnakes and throw them in a pit. And then when the day's over, they pick the snakes up and put them back where they found them. The rattlesnake roundup. Shameless plug for that, for all the people involved. I'm sure everyone's excited for that to come back around. So unfortunately for me, there's not a whole bunch of things to talk about in the next upcoming months, and that seems to work with professional sports as well. We might be struggling a little bit to fill some time when we get into those dog days of July, but I'm sure I'll still be able to fill the needs of all my loyal listeners with some decent sports talk information. But I do have to say, it's not too bad. I got a nice desk, have a nice setup here in the corner of my room. Like I said, it could be worse, but it's just more motivation, of course, to move this to higher and greener pastures, if you will. I wanted to touch on something real quick, now that I mentioned that I'm, of course, still at my job at the prestigious Wyoming County Press Examiner newspaper in County, Pennsylvania, shameless plug. Recently, one of the teams I covered, the softball team in particular, was playing in their district championship game against a pretty good opponent, which you would expect to have happen in the district championship game. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend the game in person because of our paper deadline. But to make a long story short, both teams have very good pitchers, and the game ended up going into extra innings with the score tied nothing nothing. Neither team was able to procure a run. One of the teams actually left, I think, nine or ten girls on base up until that point going into extra innings. So they had chances, they just weren't able to do anything with them. When the game got to the ninth inning, though, That's when things got a little bit more interesting because if the game goes past nine innings at the start of the 10th, each team is given a runner on second base to start the inning. So the girl that ended the inning in the bottom or the top of the ninth is put on second base to start the inning off, which means you run into position as a pitcher that you have a runner in scoring position to start the inning. And I guess it's used as a way to kind of move the game along a little bit. And I can understand that to a certain extent. I haven't really decided how I feel about that rule in general, however, because it really changes the whole dynamic of a game, not only for the offense, but for the defense as well. When a pitcher now has to face a runner on second, you assume that the next girl up is going to bunt her over to third because softball uses bunting a lot more than maybe baseball would do in that situation. So most teams are looking to bunt that girl over immediately. Now that didn't necessarily happen in this particular game. In the top of the 10th, the away team, the team that I was covering, ended up getting a double on the first pitch. So that runner scored easily. And then they had a runner on second as well. Unfortunately for them, it was a 1-2-3 inning after that. They weren't able to get anything going, so they led one nothing going in the bottom of the 10th. Now, the home team in that same situation did try to bunt over that girl two-third, but the pitcher ended up walking the leadoff batter, thus making it first and second with nobody out. Then the next batter gets a single, the girl on second scores, it's first and second again, the following girl follows with another single, and the game ends 2-1. to one. So the argument in favor of that rule says, well, that probably wouldn't have happened if those girls didn't start the inning off on second base. Both teams benefited from it, and one ended up benefiting more so by being the home team and scoring the extra run. The problem I have with it is that it's the district championship game. So you know that these two teams are great, and they probably have two very good pitchers. 
And like I mentioned before, that does change the complete dynamic for both the offense and the defense. Since it's the district game, you might want to see them just play it out and see what happens. The odds of the game extending to where maybe there's no lights at the stadium and they have to postpone it and reschedule it another time because it was called on account of darkness is also in question. I think the particular field they were playing at, though, does have lights So I'm under the impression that they should have just played it out and saw what happens. I mean, it's the district championship game. I can understand doing that in the regular season. You know, you got places to be, things to do, swimming pools to swim in. Why not put that rule into effect? I don't mind it there. Just like they have the 10-run rule after the fifth inning, the 15-run rule after the fourth inning, those are all understandable as well. Some days teams just don't have it and are no match for opponents, and the game could get out of hand very quickly. I'm okay with 15-run rules, 10-run rules. Having the mercy rule on a scoreboard, if it's a basketball game or a lacrosse game or a field hockey game when time is of the essence and you just want to run the clock to move things along, That's all understandable. But for a district game, I think I would have more preferred it for them to just have let things be and play the game out and see what happens from that standpoint, instead of, in a way, pushing the game along to make things happen rather than just waiting for them to happen. But to end that story, the team I was covering ended up losing, and as I mentioned, that's it for local high school sports teams at my paper until we get into the fall and start talking about football. So as I mentioned, now we have to start pulling at straws, talking about fishermen and karate and whatever else people are doing in the summer months. But anyway, that's enough about my job. Let's talk about the sports where the athletes are actually paid. So we wrapped up the two conference finals, the East and the West, and the two teams that are going to be playing in the NBA finals aren't too big of a surprise. Over in the East, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to sweep the Atlanta Hawks in four games and didn't really have much of a problem sans Game 3, which went into overtime in Cleveland, and the Hawks definitely had their chances to win that game and make it a 2-1 series. They couldn't make the big play down the stretch and take advantage of a hobbled Kyrie Irving and a hobbled LeBron James who at the end of the game, of course, fell to his knees in exhaustion. I think the Cavs ended up winning that game by three. And he did have a couple of big shots down the stretch. A lot of people have actually been saying this is the best stretch of basketball he's played in his entire career, which isn't too far-fetched to say. He has been playing very well. He's averaging a triple-double in the playoffs up to this point, so he's really put the team on his back without Kevin Love, who they signed solely for the purpose of having that third player in their big three, that guy down low to get rebounds, put a 2010 game on the board every night. He's out with that shoulder injury and won't be back for the rest of the playoffs. The other part of the big three, Kyrie Irving, has been banged up with a bum knee and a bum foot, and he's been limping around and hadn't really been able to participate too much in that series. He actually only played, I believe, in game four and sat most of the games. People are actually wondering why he even played for that final game in the series as well. Luckily for him, we are in the stretch of eight days where there is no NBA games being played. The following day, the Golden State Warriors were able to knock off the Houston Rockets four games to one, led by another great performance, as usual, from Steph Curry. 
That series was 3-0 in favor of the Warriors, and he had a feeling that the Rockets would come out at home in Game 4 and just put on an offensive show for their fans, which of course they did. James Harden had about 47 points, Dwight Howard had a great game, the Rockets ended up blowing the Warriors out. Unfortunately, the series goes back to Golden State, and we know the Warriors had only lost three games up to that point on their home floor. They've been almost unbeatable when it comes to playing a home basketball game. And the Rockets, of course, would really have their work cut out for them. That would be, of course, if they showed up to play. Unfortunately for Rockets fans, no one showed up to play. Harden, I believe, finished with 14 points, 10 of which I think came from the free throw line. And he also finished with a playoff worst 13 turnovers. Just looked awful all game. Dwight Howard, of course, got another technical foul, just out there throwing elbows and just playing without any poise and any real respect for the game or its players. So he's going to get suspended. He would have gotten suspended for the next playoff game should it have happened. But since they lost, he's going to miss the first game of next year's season. So look out for that. Overall, though, it wasn't a huge surprise that these two teams were the ones that made the finals. The Warriors playing in the West weren't necessarily a shoe-in because they're going to be facing tough, talented teams in each series, but they've just looked so good as a team that it wasn't unexpected for them to win that series and for them to be playing in the finals. But it seems like every team the Cavs went up against were expected to beat them as we went along through the playoffs. Maybe not so much in the opening round where they ended up playing the Celtics, but there were still people saying that, oh, the Celtics might do it. They might take down the Cavs. With whom? I mean, Brad Stevens is their head coach. That's nothing to put your nose up at, but they don't have anybody on their team anymore. Then they went on to play the Bulls, and that was the team that everyone thought could beat them, and they've kind of been that thorn in LeBron's side throughout his career when healthy, but Paul Gasol goes down for the Bulls. Couple games there, Jimmy Butler didn't really show up. Joe Kim Noah's looked like he's forgotten how to play professional basketball, and he hasn't been much of a force at all for them. They just didn't look good. They had too many things going wrong for them. But these Atlanta Hawks, all season long, Hawks fans have been calling into Sports Talk Radio, telling people that this was their year. This was the year they were going to shock the world with no necessary superstars on their roster. A great all-around team. They were going to shock the world and show everyone that you can win a championship without necessarily having that one good player. Well, unfortunately, they weren't hitting the nail on the head with that one. Sure, Atlanta had a couple injuries. Kyle Korver ends up going down. Carroll was banged up early in the series. But even if they were at 100% and everybody came out to play, they just don't have that piece to take them over the top and give them that advantage when it comes to a playoff game. I mean, 60 wins in the regular season is nice, but it's not going to get you an NBA championship because the playoffs are a whole different ball game and a whole different set of challenges that are posed every single game, whether you're home or whether you're on the road. And you can't always just look at records to show how great a team is. You can kind of do that with Golden State. But if you look at Cleveland, I think they started the season off 9-10, and 10, 
And of course, people were saying, oh boy, they're in a lot of trouble this year. And then LeBron ends up going down to Miami, takes a couple weeks off, gets himself back to where he should be playing wise. And from that stage, they went 45 and 11 or something like that. Once he came back to that full form and the team started gelling more, no one could really stop them. And they had a great rest of the season after that to get them to where they are now. So overall for the NBA, I think they couldn't be happier for what ended up happening for the two opponents that will be playing in the NBA Finals. You've got the league MVP in Steph Curry on the Golden State Warriors, who's the only player in NBA history to beat the other first-team All-Stars in a playoff run. That list would, of course, include Anthony Davis with the Pelicans, Marcus Gasol with the Grizzlies, and James Harden with the Rockets. And then, you know, Klay Thompson also being on the roster, who is Steph Curry's teammate, so he doesn't need to beat him. But that's what you're looking at on that side of the spectrum. On the other side, you've got LeBron James, who is playing probably the best basketball of his career, averaging a triple-double every game, and has really played out of his mind in order for them to get to these finals. Now, I was on Mad Dog Sports Radio two days ago talking with sports broadcaster Tom Byrne. Shameless plug there to him. He's on a couple times throughout the week on NBA Radio, and he does a couple weekend shows on Sirius Mad Dog Sports Radio as well. If you have Sirius, you have the time, take a listen. He is a great NBA mind. Whenever I have anything to talk about regarding NBA, he's the guy to do it with. He's well-versed on all things basketball. He knows more things about basketball, not only from now, but from in decades past, and he could just tell you the history of the game whenever there's a question about about it. And of course, leading into these finals, there's been a ton of questions that people have been posing regarding a comparison between Michael Jordan and LeBron James, a discussion that I don't think will end in the next 30 years, the way it seems. But I'm not going to have this discussion right now. I mean, maybe that's something we do when the finals are over, but it's not time for that yet. And as Tom says, it's not time for that yet in general. Let's wait a couple more years before we start talking about that. But he brought up a good point that I wanted to touch on, and it was regarding, would you rather have the number one player in the world on your team, or would you rather have the best overall team when you're playing in the NBA Finals? which I think is a fantastic question and something that could really warrant a pretty significant discussion because, as I mentioned when I called in, we've seen both, and we've seen both recently actually happen in the NBA Finals. You had LeBron James, the number one player in the world, playing, of course, with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh with the Miami Heat, take down the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals. And then the following year, you had the best overall team with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and the NBA Finals MVP, of course, in Leonard, who were able to take down the number one player in the world in LeBron James. A couple years back, you had the best overall team in the league, the Boston Celtics, with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo, and Ray Allen take down Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. The following year, you had the best player in the NBA in Kobe Bryant win the NBA Finals, taking down arguably the best overall team in the NBA in the Boston Celtics. 
You can even argue that with Jordan's Bulls going back to those mid-90s when he was winning championships with Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, etc., etc. Because not only did the Bulls have the best player in the world, they also arguably and probably had the best team in the NBA as well. So in asking that question, would you rather have the best player in the world or the best team in the league? I would answer with yes. I want both. Because you can have the best player in the world, but if you don't have role players to surround him with, you're not going to win an NBA championship. It just doesn't work that way, and it never has. The problem that LeBron is facing is that if Kyrie Irving isn't 100%, the Cavs are going to be in a lot of trouble. They were in enough trouble as it is when Love went down with that shoulder injury, but he could at least go with Kyrie Irving as his go-to second guy to take a little bit of the pressure off him, and both of them could make a significant run and have done that throughout the regular season and in the playoffs. If Kyrie Irving is 100% healthy, I give the Cavs a much better chance in taking down the Warriors in this year's NBA Finals. If he's banged up at all and has any re-aggravation of his knee or foot or wherever else is hurting him and he can't play for a couple games, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. What's been interesting and funny as well is that these people calling into these talk shows, these Cleveland Cavalier fans, have just been raving about the role players for the Cavs and how great they've been playing and what a big role they've had in getting Cleveland to where they are now, which I find incredibly humorous. One of the callers said that Tristan Thompson, who's playing power forward for the Cavs and is a great up-and-coming player, is going to be one of the top 15 power forwards of all time. Of all time! And we don't even know what he's capable of. Of all time, he's going to be that good. You just wait and see. People are raving about J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert, two guys that Phil Jackson, the owner of the New York Knicks, just decided, I'm just going to dump these guys for nothing. For peanuts on the street, nuts for you. He went out to the corner of wherever he happened to be that day, because you know he's hanging out in L.A. a lot. He's not really going to the city. But if he happened to go in there, he walks out of Madison Square Garden, waves down the gentleman selling the nuts, gets his cashews in a nice bag. Maybe he gets them half off because he's Phil Jackson and the guy recognizes him from the programs at Madison Square Garden, and he moves on. He's more satisfied with those nuts for you than he is in getting anything in return for those two players who have emerged as some pretty solid guys in the Cavaliers lineup because really, what do they have to lose? They were basically tossed to the street from the New York Knicks, and now they have a chance to play with the best player in the league? What more could you ask for? The problem with those guys is even though J.R. Smith at one point was sixth man of the year, which somebody called in and was raving about because I guess if you win sixth man of the year, you should automatically just go to the Hall of Fame, really. Don't stop there. Just keep going all the way up to the Hall. The problem with those guys, and particularly J.R. Smith, is that they could win the game for your team and they could also win the game for the other team as well because there were times with the Knicks when J.R. Smith would chuck up 134 shots and he would make about five and he's not passing the basketball to anybody which is humorous because he plays with Carmelo Anthony who is top five most selfish players in the league which is next in the league to say Russell Westbrook and Kobe Bryant. 
So the sixth man of the year doesn't want to pass the ball. He'll shoot contested after contested shot, and if it's clanging off the rim, it's all right because he's shooting it. He's had a couple games now, and he had a couple in the Eastern Conference Finals where he was just hot from three-point land and would make three after three whether you were in his face or not. Unfortunately, he does have the games where nothing's falling, and if he does have one in the NBA Finals, the Cavs, again, are in a lot of trouble. And it would not surprise me for there to be a couple games where J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, and Tristan Thompson just don't show up to play. Whether or not it's the pressure of the situation or it's because they're playing on the road or it's the finals, whatever it may be, I would not be surprised if one of them shit the bed for at least one game. And neither should you. And neither should the people that called and proclaimed these guys as one of the top 50 players of all time. In order for LeBron to win these NBA Finals against the Warriors, whether or not he's the best player in the world at this exact moment, he's going to need to have a couple guys step up and play out of their minds for a couple games. Doesn't necessarily need to be the same guy in each game, but he's going to need J.R. Smith to have one of those 35-point nights. He's going to need Tristan Thompson to go for 20 and 15 one night. He's going to need Amon Shumpert to cut his hair and then see how he plays without that crop top. And then, of course, there's other people on the Cavs, like Della Vadova, who's good for an elbow or two. Maybe he could elbow Steph Curry or Klay Thompson and give them another concussion and get them out of the game. So he and the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers had eight days off to get healthy and get right and get prepared for this series. This weekend came and went without any NBA basketball being played, which is a shame. But ABC's got their money in the finals, and they don't want the games to start until June 4th. Eat a bag! So Thursday is when you're going to catch the first NBA basketball in eight days. As far as Golden State is concerned, they come into the finals as the heavy favorite. And Vegas may be getting ahead of themselves a little bit. Again, you're going up against the best player in the world. And even though his supporting cast isn't great, we have seen it before where LeBron can take over teams. And if those guys are healthy, i.e. Kyrie Irving, he has a good shot. But the Warriors are getting a lot and they are expected to win the NBA Finals. It's definitely possible for them, too. They're playing great team basketball, and when they're all shooting in sync and everybody's on the same page, they can shoot you out of a gym before the half even hits. I think the Cavs are going to need to take the first or second game of that road trip to start the series off in Golden State. If they can manage to eliminate home court and win one of those games, it changes pretty much the whole storyline of the series when they're going into Cleveland with the series tied 1-1. If they lose those first two games, it's going to put a ton of pressure on LeBron James. Or, as we've heard a thousand times from that Vine video that's being played on Twitter after the Cav games, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. If you don't know what I'm talking about and think I just lost my marbles, check out the Vines or the YouTube video of it. Just Google LeBron James. You'll see it. So that's where I think we stand there. Early prediction is I think the Warriors are going to win the series in six games. But I also think it's going to be a fantastic series between the league MVP and the MVP that just didn't win the league MVP this year, Steph Curry and LeBron James. It's going to be great, and the NBA should be incredibly pleased about that. Now, another thing that's been brought up with these NBA Finals is regarding the fact that the playoffs as a whole haven't been as exciting as they have been in years past, 
And the NBA playoffs sometimes drag and drag. And I shouldn't say sometimes. They do. They drag and drag. As I mentioned six podcasts ago, when the playoffs first started, no use getting excited over these first round games because we're going to be playing into June. Who cares about storylines and, oh, is this the year for such and such and blah, blah, blah. The best two teams usually end up getting to the finals, and now we can start getting into more serious conversation about what's to come. There's really been only one amazing series, and that was the first round against the Clippers and the Spurs, which went seven games. Each game was a battle. You didn't really necessarily know what team would win the series. The Clippers ended up beating the Spurs and then ended up blowing things against the Rockets in game six and seven in the following series, which really just nulled whatever they did in the first round, so it didn't make a difference anyway. The storyline's been Golden State's great. LeBron James is carrying the Cavs, and a couple teams had some injuries. Boo, poor them. They couldn't move on to the playoffs. Unfortunately, there's really no easy answer because of money, TV, revenue. I remember the days when the playoffs were five games in the first round, and I like that because it gives more interesting storylines. You look at baseball, you could have those upsets in the first round of the playoffs because teams are only playing those five games. Here, it's like the best team always wins. The unfortunate part is you can't take away those extra two games because should they happen, those teams and the television people will make that money for those two extra games. Revenue's nice, baby. Money talks. They don't care if you're probably going to be sitting through a garbage series that ends in four to five games. They hope that the series might go six, might go seven. They can get their full benefits from the entire series. Unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily happen, and it doesn't happen very often at all. The one usually beats the eight pretty easily. Once in a blue moon, you'll have that change, but it's usually pretty dull until the second round of the playoffs, and even that's usually pretty dull until you get to the conference finals. I guess that's not too big of a deal, but like I said, I think a five-game series would just make it that much more exciting. But the other thing the NBA could do to make sure they're not losing too much of that revenue stream is fix up how the teams get into the playoffs. They still use that division and conference method where the best team from each division is going to get into the playoffs, which is something I like in the NFL, but not something I like in the NBA, because more often than not, the bottom two teams that end up getting into the playoffs are usually crap and they took the spots of two teams that were deserved of that spot but played in the other conference. I think it would behoove the NBA to go to that 1-6 through six team, best record to 16th best record. Whoever falls into that category gets into the playoffs regardless of conference or division. They get in because they're one of the best 16 teams. That's another easy fix that they could do, and it might make things a little bit more exciting if they were to go that route. That's going to do it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to this and previous podcasts at my website at londonbridge.com. That's www.lundinbridge.com. 
You could also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You could subscribe to this podcast on iTunes for my melodious voice to help you get through the train rides to and from work. You could also listen to this podcast on the Stitcher app. Thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it. If you'd like to add anything to this show, feel free to comment on my website or shoot me a comment through Twitter. Next week, we'll be talking a little bit more about the NBA Finals. We'll take a look at some of the other goings-on in the NFL and in MLB and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports.